So we're going to start. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, we are going to hear from Abe today. Abe is basically a Jedi ninja. I was asked <laughs> not to use any Star Wars terminology, but because <laughs> I used it fairly. Well, <laughs> yeah. So if you are here listening to him, you are very, very privileged in the words of the college. Um, our hosts tonight, as you can see, they're not here because as normal people, they just gave us their house, <laughs> even though they're out of town. They honestly just gave us the code and the key wow. and they're like, Go for it, just close the AC afterwards, and it's still hot. But, um, so they sponsored tonight, the Eisners, they're amazing. They sponsored tonight and the next three weeks in honor of a close um, friend who passed away, Dr. Michael Canning. So, making brachos, or, yeah, have in mind. Alrighty, thank you, Ohan. Uh, thank you, Jackie, for the invitation. Thank you, everybody else involved in the prep. It's always a huge pleasure and super fun for me to be invited in to come over to talk, mostly because it, it challenges me to prep something good. Sometimes I give shiurim to like more secular crowds and it's not as challenging, you know, because I can basically make anything up and I can just put it in Hebrew and they don't know how to read, so, <laughs> you know, so here I'm a little bit challenged, so it's, it's cool to, to, to have, that, have that forced on me. Um, so difficult Parsha. And difficult because there's so, so much. And the whole Sefer Bereshis, Sefer HaYashar, and especially Lechelcha, beginning with Avraham, we're talking about the most foundational partials um, of our history, of our identity, right? So even the idea of an Av, the idea of father, you know, it's not a, just a biological father, obviously. We're talking about a father, like you would say, the father of medicine, the father of history, the father, etc. It's, it's a prototype. It's something that, you know, that you can look at them and you can find compressed inside of them the same sort of patterns that are going to unfold in our own history. And that's the Midrashim go wild with how Avram going down to Mitzrayim and having the Ra'av and all of those are just like, you know, little references, compressed bits of what later ends up unfolding into our national history. So crazy partials that we're talking about. Um, and so if we do a little brief history, we start Bracious. You know, and story of a quick, really a quick story of the creation of the universe, then quickly transition to the creation of man. Transition to man screwing up, and 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 we continue like that till at the end of the parsha, God is just like, you know, I just these guys loyadun ruchi baadam lolam bishigam hubasar. I just, I can't do it anymore. You know, and there's like a bunch of different reasons how you would read Lo Yadun Ruchi Badam, but it's either. Was that You know, it's either Lo Yadun Ruchi, God saying, you know, I'm no longer gonna bug out about this whole man thing. I'm okay with her. Lo Yadun Ruchi, because no longer will the Ruach Nishmas Chaim, it no longer governs man. So Lo Yadun Ruchi Badam Lolam. You know, it's no longer governing man. Beshagam Hubasar, he's just one of. One of them. He's just part of the busser that all other animals are a part of. You know, what can we do? So it ends in basically God throwing in the towel and saying, that's it. And with that concludes, You know, he regrets the whole thing. He's ready to throw in the towel. And then Noach. And so the Parsha after that, Parsha's Noach. We find Noach. Noach is the one that will be holding the torch from 
the first world or the first iteration of humanity to the second iteration of humanity. So Noah is the output of the last of the ten Doros or the first ten Doros and he's the input into the second set of the ten Doros. So we're starting a second iteration with Noah. Noah seems to be the good guy. You know, he's a good guy. Tzadik. Tamim haya bedorosav. Esolokim isleich Noach. The Rabbeinu Bachia goes and says each of those things are not just like redundant. We're talking about different milos. First comes Tzadik. And that's one level. Then comes Tamim. That's even greater. And then comes his halchus. That's, that's even greater. So we're talking about a serious guy over here. We're talking about a guy that even upon his birth, you know, his father, this is the first source here Noach is born and gives him the name Noach to say that he's going to console us of the klala that was given to the earth you know that the earth no longer produced like it should have produced came along Noach and like Rashi says he was the father of the agricultural revolution you know he was the one that basically democratized farming he created all sorts of farming implements. He was a real farming technologist. And he revolutionized the agricultural industry. So through them, basically through Noah, they say, you know, it's the klala that the Adama no longer produced for us has now become reversed. Now we can speak to the earth, so to speak, with our technology, with our agriculture, with our mechanisms. And the earth can produce in a semi-reliable way source of food for us. That's great. Not only that, but Noah is Isha Adama, right? And like Rashi says, you think Isha Adama just means somebody that works the land? It means he was, like, like, like Rashi quotes from, from, from Nach, It's like the husband. He was the husband of the earth. It's not like just he was like toiling, you know, getting produce when he can't, could, and that was that. He had a love relationship with the earth. You know, it's something that he deeply cared about. So Noah seems to be a good guy. You know, a good guy indeed for exactly what we want, right? To start humanity fresh. But it's not what we see at all, right? Like the Mishnah Novo says, Asar Doros Me'odam Vadnoach, Lodia Kama Erech Apayim Lefanav. Shekol HaDoros Hayu Machisin Uvain Ad Sheivia Lehem Esmeyamabul. The first 10 generations, all of the Doros were just, you know, infuriating God. They were just doing everything Lahachis. It was just a horrible disaster. Until, you know, he said, that's it, I'm going to bring the Mabul. Contrast that to Asara Doros Minoach Vad Avraham, the second iteration, Leudia Kama Erechapaim Lefanav, Shekola Doros Hayu Machisinu Vain, same thing, everybody's messing up, God's getting infuriated, Ajiba Avraham, Vikibela loves Kharkulam until Avraham comes, you know, and takes the whole pot. Great, he vindicates the whole thing. What about Noach? Where's Noach here? Achevi Alehim is Meabubul, Noach's not here. So Noach was part of the people that Hayu Machisin. It's part of the same problem, right? Avraham, we say the first 10 generations, you know, all of these people kept on being machis to Al-Kadosh Baruch Hu, until he said, I, I had enough, I'm going to bring the Mabul. And in the second generation, they kept on being machis. So Avraham comes, he's the only one that stood out of that set and he vindicates the whole thing. What about Noah? What happened with Noah over here? So clearly Noah is not differentiated from the Asaradoros that were machisim. That's a crazy thing. Not only that, what did I put that? Like the Gemara says, 
טונו דה רבי שמואל, אף על נוח נחתך גזר דין, אלא שמצא חן בעיני השם. שנאמר, ניחמתי כי עשיתי ונוח מצא חן בעיני השם. You know, I regretted that I made them. נוח is included in that. I regretted that I made נוח included. He was part of the גזר דין, of the מבול. He should have been wiped out. Why is he not wiped out? ונוח מצא חן בעיני השם. God finds some favor in Noach's eyes. Not because he deserves it. When you say find favor, it's by definition something that you don't deserve. So here, Noach is part of the Gezardin of the Mabul. He's meant to be wiped out. He's part of the Asaradoros that were machisim HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What? Tzadik, Tamim, his Halchus, and, and Noach is just, just dissolved within everybody else. No differentiation. In fact, that's exactly how we speak of this whole epoch. The Gemara says, look, we can divide the entire universe, kol ha'olam, in three epochs. Right? If we were to compress the entire universe into 6,000 years, right? we're going to compress whatever happens in 6,000 years. And we divide that into three periods of time, three epochs. 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. First comes Alpaim Tohu, the 2,000 years of Tohu. Then comes Alpaim Torah, the 2,000 years of Torah. And this is like the first Gemara uh, here in the second page. And then comes Alpaim Yemos HaMashiach. So the Gemara asks, until when are Alpaim Tohu? Right? When do, do the Alpaim Torah start? You, you might think to say Matan Torah. Nope, the count doesn't add up. It doesn't work out. Really, it happens when... This week's Parsha. No, like the Gemara says, He was 52. You know, Avram was born in 1948. At 52, that's 2,000 years. That's the end of the 2,000 years. The new epoch begins the Alpine Torah. Okay? That means that Noah and everything up until everything until this point in this week's Parsha was Alpaim Tohu, 2,000 years of Kes. What the heck is that supposed to mean? Right? So the Emek Adar has a great explanation, right? Because if you remember Rashi on Rashi literally defines it it's something that Adam Toheo Mishtomemba Something that man sees and he's kind of baffled, mind-boggled by it. He doesn't really understand what's going on over here. So the definition of tohu, of chaos, is that that which has no discernible definition or structure to a human being. If you were to look at it, it's just a big black hole. You can't differentiate. Anything that goes in is just sucked in and part and amassed, conglomerated into this big black hole. This big thing of tohu, of chaos. Like the Emekadara says, right? It's something that has no boundaries, no delineations, one thing from another, no definitions. Like a desert. There's no differentiation. Right? Like the Midbar. That's a reference to the Midbar. It's like the Midbar, you go from one place to another. If you look at it from a bird's eye view, it looks exactly the same. The surrounding area looks exactly the same. I see no differentiation at all. So he, continue, he continues. And he quotes this Gemara. It says, Right? 
Rikanya, the makum rake ain't shinoi chelik zemize. It's an it's emptiness. It's total emptiness. Everything that happens, the entire, all of the actions of men, were just this one pile of nothingness, undistinguished, undifferentiated, generic nothingness. Just, just this thing that has no definition, no structure, nothing of value, nothing that you can point to say, wow, look at the definition of this guy. Look at this guy. Look at what he did. Nothing. It's all tohu. The lines are blurred. There are no lines. Everything is dissolved in this black hole. Noah is a part of this. Alpine tohu. By the way, even in terms of our experience of these partials, we literally experience them as tohu. Like the partials, Barashas and Noah are so absurdly just difficult to find any sort of structure to. I mean, how many times, anybody that was paying attention, does Noah go into the Teva in last week's Parsha? Literally like four times. <laughs> how many times does the Mabul start? Literally like three times. Just, it's ridiculous. None of the stories make any apparent sense, make any obvious sense. So we experience them as the Alpine Tohu that they are. So Noah is included in these Alpine Tohu. So with everything that we've said, that he's just part of the same... That he's part of the Gizardin of the Mabul, that he's part of these Alpine Tohu. So Noach is not the answer. So we come to this week's Parsha, and Avraham is the answer. Okay? So in Avraham, like we said, we find what ends up being, what begins being Av Le Aram, and ends up being Av Le Cholalam Kulo. Like the Gemara says, Av Hamon Goy means he nase Av lekol alam kulo. Okay, he becomes the the symbol, the representative, the father of all of humanity, and through him, that's our true origins. And so, when we give somebody a bris, we welcome them into the Benebri social Avraham Avinu. You know, when he he's called the father of Bnei Israel. Really, we don't trace it back to Terach; we trace it back to Avraham. Right? Yishmael is not considered part of our dynasty. So it's a crazy thing to consider that Avraham is the one that basically is what we're looking for, what has been missing in creation. And then when we come to this week's Parsha, the things that are presented to us just don't seem to strike off the bat as extraordinary. They just don't. For what we just set up of what, of what Avraham is meant to be, they just don't, sh- they don't fit the bill. What do I mean? Kodesh Baruch Hu says to Avraham, Lech Lecha, that's the beginning of this week's Parsha. And he promises him that he's going to have Bonim, that he's going to have Momon, that he's going to have shame. You know what? Because the Derech is, you know, going, traveling, is Mimat, all these things. So he gives him three Haftochos of these three things. You're going to have children, you're going to have shame, and you're going to have mamon. Okay. You kidding me? That's, that's the whole thing? Like Rashi says, so, so you should receive all of these things. That's the great goal of Avraham Avinu. Money, children, fame. I mean, is there any distinction between anybody else on earth? Like, is it really a crazy thing to do lechelcha, leave, if you're actually sure that you're going to receive these things? Is that so crazy? I don't know if that's so crazy. Is that an amazing nisayon? I'm not so sure about it. And the rest of the Parsha is literally just the narrative of how he gets these, these three things. So he goes to Mitzrayim, 
and he ends up rich. Avraham gets rich. Then the Milchemes Hamlochim and shame. He gets an amazing shame by shame. Malkitzedek, right? Gives him an amazing shame. He, he's famous in the entire universe. That's when all of the Malachim realize, wow, what an amazing person this Avraham is. And at the end, Bonim. Right? We end with the, first the Yishmol and then the Havtacha that Yitzchak will be born. Which leads us to next week's Parsha. But that's what it's about. Nothing more. You would expect that it would be extraordinary. Extraordinary. Beyond the ordinary. And it's not. It seems to be things that anybody here would very much like to receive. And most people here would do some sort of effort to receive those things. Right? And, and by the way, that, that is one approach to why the parsha is so ridiculously out of chronology. It's ridiculous. Right? Like the Toso says here, you can read it yourself. But it's so out of chronology. Right? That we just quoted, like the Gemara says, 52 years old. Literally, the Pasuk before that in Lech Lecha says, And then the next Pasuk describes, The Gemara just says that's 52, 75. So we just teleported 23 years in one Pasuk. And then it continues and he says, Actually, you know what? Milchemes Hamlochim is actually when he's 73. And he brings out the whole count here. 73. And then the bris ben Misarm is when he's 70. And then the achar dvarim ha'ile, which is after, achar dvarim ha'ile means that it's samuch to that which just came, as opposed to achareid, which is muflag. So achar dvarim ha'ile, which is after milchem samlochim, is actually after milchem samlochim. What? So he's jumping around from ages, from 75 to 52 to 70 to 73. What? What the heck is going on? A massive break of chronology. Tosus even says that in the same parsha, one pasuk to the next, you break to two different days. In the Brisbane of Mesarim, when God tells him about Yitzchak and then promises him and the, and that, that they're going to receive Eretz Yisrael and says, You know, that are two different stories and they're just joined together as if they're one. And he points it out because one of them we're talking about how it's becoming nighttime and then the other one it's how it's, it's morning and what? So we're just totally breaking chronology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he points this all out. It's, it's ridiculous. So a total break of chronology. And obviously that shouldn't bother us, right? It should only bother you if you're looking at the Torah for history. And it's absolutely clear since the first Pasuk in the Torah, like Rashi, clearly describes the Torah is not here to teach you history. The Torah does not care at all. In muqtam klal. Bichlal. At all. Nothing. Nowhere. We don't care about history. Any historical facts that you end up deducing from the Torah's presentation is secondary. Is accidental. The Torah's main goal, only goal, is thematic presentation. Because it's presenting conceptually. It's not presenting historically. It's also, by the way, not presenting scientifically. So, so these things of how, right? If we go into a time machine and we grab Parshas Lech Lecha and we were to try to map out, okay, this is when this happened, now this is about to happen. Oh, no, 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 sorry, dude, you're 20 years off. That was 20 years in the past. You wouldn't follow the history if you're trying to follow it in the order that the Parshas presented, but that's obviously because it's presenting it conceptually. What's one theme that it might be presenting? Well, it's presenting it in the order of 
the things, the three things. And that's what the Parsha focuses on, how he receives the three haftachos that God begins with. But, anyway, so what's the deal with Avraham? What's extraordinary about him? What, what makes this Parsha the foundation of, of our creed, the foundation of what becomes B'nai Israel? So, let's look at the last source on the second page. So this is the end of Parshas Noach. Ve'ele told those Terach. Terach holides Avram, Esnachor ve'sharan, ve'horan holides Lot. Vayomos haran al-penei Terach Aviv, be'eretz moladato be'ur kastim. Vaykach Avram ve'nachor lahem nashim, Shem eishes Avram sarai, ve'shem eishes nachor milcha, bas haran avi milcha v'avi iska. Vatihi sarai akara ein lavlad. They go to Haran, they end up sitting there, staying there, settling. End of last week's Parsha. Beginning of this week's Parsha. What do you mean? What do you mean? Right? Like Rashi points out, Me'artzecha v'alo k'var yatsa misham im aviv uva'ad charan How can you possibly be giving a tzivui? Leave your birthplace when that's literally what he did at the end of last week's parsha already. Edline, he enters, Rashi enters the weirdest thing. El ha'kach omar lo. Hitrachek od misham. Yeah, yeah, continue. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to Avram and says, Lech lecha, as if it's a tzivoy, right? And Rashi says, so you know where we left off? Beisavicha? Hisrachik, oh, continue that. And now, Tzay mi beisavicha. Sorry, Tzay mi beisavicha. Sorry, we left in Molatecha. Now, Tzay mi beisavicha. So is this a tzivui that's new? Is it a continuation? What the heck are we talking about? Last week's Parsha, Terach, who's the leading figure of this whole thing, Vaikach Terach, Es Avram Beno, you know, Terach is leading the quest to Eretz Canaan. And then they don't make it to Eretz Canaan, they make it to Har, and then God says, oh, by the way, leave Urkastim again. And uh, it's just absurd. And it's so absurd that the Ibn Ezra even says, actually the tzivui, was given back then. The tzivoy was actually given in Ur-Kastim in last week's Parsha. And when they go that first time, it's with the tzivoy. And the Radak says the same thing. Both the Ibn Ezra and the Radak, they hold by that. That they know both, that when they left last week's Parsha, it was on the tzivoy of Lech Lecha. But if you don't say what, if you don't, that's, that's at least one approach that simplifies. If you don't say what, you're telling me that there are two halichos that are going the exact same place, they're both going to Eretz Canaan that just happen to be totally separate from themselves or which they happen to do by themselves and then God happens to say, by the way, continue, f- finish. You know, you try to go to Eretz Canaan, finish that because you got to get to Eretz Canaan. It's, is that part of the Tzivoy? Is it not part of the Tzivoy? So according to Ibn Ezra and the Radak, fine, it's part of the Tzivoy. It's all one Tzivoy. You don't have to, so why two descriptions? Fine. One got there halfway and another finishes it off. 
the Ramban and some other Mefarshim have a whole, a whole thing about how really they're not born in Urkastim. They're born in Haran, and then they go back to Urkastim, and then they go back to Haran. And so here when it says, we work out because they're actually born in Haran. They went to Urkastim, then they came back. Everybody is just going, all the Mefarshim are going crazy. They don't know what to do with this because it's just a weird, weird sequence of Psukim. You're talking about two different halichos that the first one presented seems to have no connection to the tzivoy, but over here it's a direct continuity, like Rashi says. Rashi is clearly holding that it's a continuity of that tzivoy. What the heck is going on? Okay? And if you look, if you're Medayik on the Pasuk, it was Terach, the one that was leading this, right? Vaikach Terach et Avram ben Ovet, Vol ben Haram ben Beno, Vetzarek alato Eish et Avram ben Ovet, Vaituitam yorkasim lechet artsakinan. So it's Terach, the one that's leading this. So, so what's going on? So Terach was part of the Tzivoy too? Was Terach being, being Mekayim Lech Lecha too? According to the Radak and the, and the Ibn Ezra? Yes. That's why he left. That's why he left. And now there's an amazing deal here that sheds at least one light on how Rashi could be reading it. Okay. So, so, so look at this. Vaikach Terach es Avram Beno. So Terach is the one grabbing. He's the active one, right? Terach grabs Avram Beno and he grabs Lot, his grandson, and he grabs Sarah, his daughter-in-law. Vayitzu itam. Okay, so it's Terach the one that's grabbing all of these guys. And then, Vayitzu itam. What does that mean? They left with them. Okay, it should have said something like, Vayitse, yeah, Vayitse itam, or if you're going to say that the, that the Vayitsu is Vayitsu ito, yeah. but it's supposed to be one plural, which is all the people that Terach grabbed, one singular, which is Terach. Instead, we have plural, Vayilchu itam, plural. Who's going with who? So, not all the Mepharshim read it this way. Um, I quoted, Rashi reads it this way, the Ramban reads it this way. Who's going with who? So we have two people. There's Terach, there's Avraham, there's Lot and Sarah. And the Ramban reads it the same way, by the way. That there's Lot and Sarah, and then there's Avraham and Terach. Avraham and Terach are both the active figures. Avraham and Terach are both the active figures. So what does it mean by Okay, okay, one sec. Avraham and Terach are the active figures. And then you have people stringing along. So there are people that are going and there are people that are going with. The people that are going, plural, according to Rashi, according to Ramban, is Avraham and Terach. The people that are stringing along are Sarah and Lot. Okay? So why does it say Vaikach Terach? So maybe you'll say like the Ramban says, you know, Avraham was basically giving him reins. He was allowing his father to dominate. Terach was a dominant figure. It's Vaikach Terach Avram says, okay, you know, you do your thing. But it's clearly recognized that there's a second active party involved because Vaikhuitam. And the Ramban says, you know how I know that they're even going more with Avraham than with Terach? Because when they leave Terach, who joins in? Saran Lot. Saran Lot stay with Avraham. They don't stick with Terach. So there's two active figures here. Terach, for whatever reason, Vaikach Terach is, is the dominant one, whether Avraham is giving Kavod, whether Terach is just being dominating, whatever the parish on that, but there's two active figures. What does that mean? That means that there are two different halichos happening. 
the same journey, two different paths. Again, in terms of direction, they're heading the same exact direction. They're both heading Arza Kenan in two different contexts. One is the Licha of Terach. One is the Licha of Avraham. Right? We're saying that there's two active figures. So they're joining in on two different halichos. Terach has one halicha. Avraham has another halicha. What happens to Terach's halicha? Well, I'll tell you what happens to Terach's halicha. So everybody says, you know, so, you know, Terach really only dies if you t- take all the calculations way later. So why is it mentioning now? So that's the Medrash that says, you know, we don't want to embarrass Avraham publicly. We didn't want to say that Avraham was in, was in Mikhaim, Kibur Avaim. He's going to leave his poor father there in Haran when he's a hundred and something years old. He's just going to leave him. So we're going to say he died. Okay, so everybody focuses on that. Rashi gives a second explanation for that and says, look, Mace means he was a Russia, Russia Khoshov Kemes. Right? And he quotes the whole thing about how Russia is Khoshov Kemes. Okay, for all intents and purposes, whatever Terach's purpose was in that halicha, and there are a few that we can, we can say, but whatever Terach's purpose was in that halicha, it dies when he arrives at Haran. It dies and he dies with it. Doesn't literally die. If you go according to the Rosh Hashanah of Kimes, but for all intents and purposes, the journey ends there. He is Mace Berisho, so to speak. There's no getting out of there. Vayeshev, and you, and you know, Vayeshev is always a problematic word. You know, Vayeshev Yaakov Beretz Megurariv, oof, it's coming, now it's about to come. Vayeshev Israel Bashitim, Vayeshev Ha'am. It's always a horrible, a horrible connotation, Vayeshev, that they're looking for to be settled. You know, they're looking for Shalva, Belamazeh. It's a horrible thing. So Terach dies in that Shalva, so to speak. In that Yeshiva, Terach stays there and he's made spiritual. Avraham has a different halicha going on. So when God comes to Avraham and says, Hisrach od, lech lecha, you already began it. You already began it. Now, whether he already began it with the tzivoy, like some of the Mepharshim that say it was with the tzivoy, or without the tzivoy, and God was just saying, continue that which you already began, and that was part of the halicha that I want you to do. You know, you can fit it however however it is you want to present it, but it's clear that that halicha is contrasted with the halicha of Terach, which was last week's parsha, the end of last week's parsha. So Abraham is already in a different plane. His situation is a different situation. We don't know what it is yet. We don't know what that halicha is. But he's on a different plane. And you see it again and again in the Parsha. He's just operating in a different environment, right? So, I mean, what are the... Uh, there's tons of examples of this. But just to give you, like, a cute little one, you know. He's coming down to Mitzrayim, right? And, you know, famine strikes. He's coming down to Mitzrayim. Looks at Sar and says, you know... Nah, I know you're top notch, you know, beautiful. And so Rashi points out, you know, what is that supposed to mean? Up until now, you didn't know? And so those are the explanations. No, usually in long travel, you know, you get sweaty and gross, and she wasn't gross, she was still beautiful and nice. All these different explanations. Brings one from the Medrash that says, Adachshav lo hikir ba mitoch. So up until now, 
He didn't know her beauty. Why? Because of Snews. You know, wow, what a great Mila of Avram Avinu. He never looked at his wife. Amazing. That's news. He never looked at his wife. He didn't know that his wife was beautiful. That's news. That's not news. That's sick. You never looked at your wife. What's the matter with you? Of, of course that's not what he means. What the heck is that supposed to mean? Ah, uh, Sarah was so news. She covered her. Avram was so news. He never looked. What is that supposed to mean? It's his wife. What do you mean? Okay. The news wasn't like Rashi or quotes. It's not the news of Avraham. It's not the news of Sarah. Snut that was shared between them. What is that supposed to mean? It means that Sarah to Avraham is his wife. It's the woman that's been with him since the beginning, that's been following him, that's been through thick and thin, that they've been ha- trying to have a trial, and through all sorts of nisionos and so on. The love of his youth with him you know, building this unbelievable intimacy, bond, breed between them two, you know? So much so that the Gemara says, Yiske, what is Yiske supposed to mean? No, Yiske is Usara. So why is she called Yiske? You know, because she was so Cheberuach HaKodesh. She had Ruach HaKodesh. Not only that, later on when we say, when, when God says to Avram, Kula asher tomar lehasra shma bekula, melamed she Avraham hayatafel benevius lesara. Secondary to Nevios. Sarah was an amazing prophet, greater than Avraham. So you're telling me that you think, you know, that Avraham has ever looked at her like any Mitzri has looked at her. That's exactly the point. He's coming down, right, to Mitzrayim. And up until this point, he's only ever looked at his wife through the lens of everything that I just described unbelievable intimacy. It's his wife. So, of course, she's beautiful beyond belief, beyond imagination. There's an unbelievable love there. So, of course, he finds her amazingly in love for the first time. He's coming down to Mitzrayim, and he sees these bunch of predators, bunch of sick Mitzrayim, right, that are obsessed with sex. Shtufei bezima, right? And he says, okay, well, what would it be like to look at Sarah through their lens? What would it look like to look at Sarah like a piece of flesh. That's how the Mitzrim look, right? The Mitzrim look at women as pieces of flesh. So for the first time, Avram had to take off the lenses of all of that intimacy, put on the lenses of the Mitzris, looks at her, oh, so this is what you look like as a piece of flesh, top notch. But of course that's what it is. Tzniyos means, not that he never looked at her, it's that he never looked at her outside of that context of intimacy. It's for the first time that he's stripping out the context purposely. He's putting himself in the eyes of the midstream. Okay, how do these predators look at her through? Oops, we have problem. <laughs> and he puts her into a teva, tries to uh, smuggle her through customs. Feels horribly, you know? But of course that's what it means. Avraham is not on the same plane as the people around him. He has to literally sink down and say, okay, what would it be like to look at a woman as a piece of flesh? He's not operating in the same plane. So even though Terach might be walking with him, even though Mitzrim might be walking along with him, they're seeing different worlds. They're living different worlds. They're not part of the same plane. It's clear. And so whatever path Avraham is that's distinguished from everybody else's, right? It's a path that at the end of the Parsha leads to Mila, right? And again, chronologically, whether it's before or after, okay, whatever. It's at the end of the parsha, parsha, how it's presented to us. 
And Mila is the only mitzvah in this parsha, one of the only mitzvah in the entire sefer. So what's what is it about Mila? So look at how the Gemara describes Mila. Gedola Mila sheshkula keneged kol mitzvot shebetorah. Shenemar ki alpiyad vrim ha'ile. Davar acher, you know, Mila Mila is keneged kol hamitzvot shebetorah. It's it's just compared to it's equal to all of them. Sorry, if you have if you have a scale, you put all of the mitzvot in the Torah in one side. You put Mila on the other side. Mila is keneged kol It it'll just equal out, you know. Or Davarachar, Gedola Mila Shilmala Mila Lo Yisakai Mushamayim Varitz. No, the entire universe is creating for Mila. There's no Mila. There's no universe that that fulfills the purpose of Mila. Okay, so 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 what is it about Mila? What's the acre of the mitzvah of Mila? So a lot of different approaches to take, and there are a lot of different facets to Mila. But one facet that I think is a very very straightforward one is like the Sefer Chinuch points out, right? It says. Mitzvat mila lech lecha yeshba mitzvah se'echat v'hi mitzvat mila. Okay, ve'inyan mitzvah se. He explains what it's about. Ve'aham anivchar chafetz Hashem idbarach lashlim techunato, and God wants His chosen nation. God desires for His chosen nation to, you know, fulfill to be mashlim their form. Ve'ratzal liyot hashlama alidadam, but He doesn't want to perfect them Himself. He wants that perfection to be made in the hands of humans. He wants the humans themselves to make that perfection. Not that they're created perfect from womb, from conception. A rem is a reference to the fact that just like, you, like your body is unfinished, so is your soul. There's work to do. Okay? Okay, wow, that's interesting. Okay, so this is Miskayim. Shemaim varitz, the fact that there is work left to be done. Okay, it's a nice idea. Okay, what is the tafkid of man? What is the purpose of man? So we have one description in Bereshis that says like this: Everything was about to burst. All of the vegetation was about to sprout, and the only thing missing. The only reason why it hadn't sprouted yet, it hadn't burst in growth, was, become Adam, was because Adam wasn't there yet to work the land. Okay, so you need to do a little plowing and a little farming. Isn't that what Noah did? No, 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 Noah wasn't good. No, no, we need to farm. Okay, so Rashi says, My time, Elohim, dear, why didn't it rain yet? There is nobody to recognize the good of rain. When Adam came and saw that they were needed for the universe, he davened for them, he caused them to come, and everything started sprouting and growing again. Okay, it's nice. So the, the, the mission of man is to, you know, uh, fill the voids, to complete the, uh, the world. You know, as cliche as that is, it's just, it's, the world is imperfect, we have to make it better. You know, so let's make the world better. That's the topic of Okay, what's missing with Noah, huh? Was Noah not productive? He was tremendously productive. He, had, he led the agricultural revolution, like we said. He implemented all sorts of farming technologies. Is that not filling a void in creation? What, what, what happened with Noah? Not only that, we're talking about somebody that'll work the Adama. Noah is Ish Adama. What happened there? Somebody that will be able to cause the earth to, to speak back, to, to grow, to produce as we want. That was Noah. What the heck? What was missing? Sounds like the perfect guy. Sounds 
Sounds like the perfect guy. So what is this strange lotion that you find in a few select mitzvos? That is, Shishkula kinegli kula mitzvah Torah. What is that supposed to mean? Is that like a cute thing? Like, honestly, like, what is that supposed to mean? If you were to weigh them, Shishkula, it weighs the same as all of the other mitzvahs in the Torah. What? I, 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 I literally just don't know what it's supposed to mean. It, it means that it's as important as all of the other mitzvahs. I, I don't understand. Isn't this included in all of the mitzvahs of the Torah too, by the way? <laughs> uh, it just, I don't understand. What, what is it supposed to mean? And is it really? I mean, how many mitzvahs do we say are shkula kinegli kula mitzvah shibat Torah? And those include the other mitzvahs that was also shkula kinegli kula mitzvah shibat Torah. So what is that supposed to mean? You know? It's an amazing imagery. You know what the imagery is? This is the imagery. Put on a scale. You put on a scale one mitzvah, you put on a scale all the other mitzvahs of the Torah. It's not talking about comparing the weight of the mitzvahs. If you add up all the weights of the mitzvahs in this religion. No, no. It's defining the category that you're measuring, okay? In order to compare something, they have to be of the same category. If I'm telling you which fruit do you like better, the beer bottle or apples, ah, error, do not compute. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, that's a category error. In order to compare something, they have to be the same category, okay? The mitzvah is not being measured against another individual mitzvah. It's being measured against the set of all mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah that is talking about the set of all the mitzvahs. It defines the set of all of the mitzvahs. We could say it's a meta mitzvah. Right? It's a mitzvah that goes beyond the set of individual mitzvahs. You would usually think that something like Mila is an individual mitzvah among other individual mitzvahs. This is a meta mitzvah. Why? Because it's breaking out of that set. It's breaking out of that category. And now it compares to the entirety of that set. It's on a different dimension. It's a different plane. We're talking about a different quality of mitzvah. It talks about the context of all of the other mitzvot. Meaning it's a foundational one. It's not that this is equal to all the other points it's, it's just that you wouldn't categorize it as an individual. When you don't have this, you lose the set of all of the mitzvahs. You're missing something foundational that defines the set of mitzvahs that you're operating inside of. Is that clear or is that not clear? You get that from though. Again, because like we said, you're comparing, you're putting on a skill, an individual mitzvah, with the set of all of the mitzvahs. What is that supposed to mean? Right? You're compare, you can compare mitzvah to mitzvah. You can compare mitzvah if you're talking about points to a bunch of different mitzvahs. When you're, t- when you're talking about this sort of comparison, you're comparing something that's within the same category. Individual mitzvah within the set of all mitzvahs compared against the set of all mitzvahs, ah, error, do not compute, right? So we're talking about that we're comparing that which is of the same category. So the mitzvah of milah is not just one individual um, mitzvah among all the other mitzvahs. Huh? Can you compare it to anything? No, you, can, you compare it to the set of all of the mitzvot. They define your entire endeavor in Torah, in all of the mitzvot. It's in the same category of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, for example, we know that there are certain things, just to, be, just to illustrate. We know that there are certain things that make all of your mitzvot worth nothing. Okay, let's say I'm fulfilling the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. And I'm a mummer. I'm an atheist, let's say. 
I'm openly denying the Torah, opening denying it. Lehalacha, you grab that Sefer Torah and you burn it. Well, what is that supposed to mean? I'm doing a mitzvah. No, 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 no. You're not doing the same mitzvah because your set of mitzvahs is a different set. Now, the individual ones look the same, but when you talk about that category of mitzvot, it's in a different plane. When you say that shishikula kinei klum mitzvot klum, it defines the plane in which you're doing mitzvot. Is that clear? Is that, is that esoteric? By the way, we say that avodah Shkula So exactly this example. Somebody who's an Ovid of Rozara, somebody who's a mummer, who's a min, etc., is doing mitzvahs. Any individual mitzvah that he does is disqualified in principle. It doesn't matter which one, because the set of the mitzvahs have been mivatil, have been nullified. You, you hear what I'm saying? So when you talk about Avodazara Kinegikula Mitzvah Torah, it's talking about what set of mitzvahs are you doing? What plane are you doing them in? Okay, it's a meta mitzvah. It's not just one individual mitzvah. It's the mitzvah that defines all other mitzvahs. Mindset mitzvah? Huh? The mindset mitzvah? No, it's not a... It's a it, well, obviously everything reflects back on, on, on mindset, right? But they're mindset. Mila is a mindset. But obviously it comes, you know, that's all the comparisons that Mila has. Umal es levavchem. Umal temes levavchem. You know, is that Mila? Well, it's definitely compared, like, it's definitely inside of the concept of Mila. So the mitzvah, it's, it's included in the umbrella of the mitzvah of Mila. So, okay, we haven't defined what the mitzvah of Mila is in its essence, in, it, in its concept. But whatever that is, it's foundational to all other mitzvahs. It defines all other mitzvahs. Just like Avodah Zarah, somebody who's Mode Bavodazara is Kofer Bekola Torah Kula, and all of his mitzvahs are Mevatel, because it's Keneget Kola Mitzvah Shibatura, so to Mila we're putting it in this category. It's a general principle. Whenever you see Shikula, Keneget Kola Mitzvah Kulam, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the set of the mitzvahs that you're doing. It's not compared against the individual mitzvah that you're doing. I know it's a little bit complicated, but that's right. It's, it's meta mitzvah. Is a cool term, right? It's a mitzvah that defines the other mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah on the other mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah that recategorizes what types of mitzvahs you're doing. It's a meta mitzvah. It's beyond the set and it redefines itself. Okay. One sec. Okay, so, so then what's that supposed to mean? What's that supposed to mean? What is Mila that's so foundational that makes it a meta mitzvah? Okay, so like we quoted in the next source from the Mishnah Torah, Shabbos vavodas kochavim mazlos kol achas mishtehim shekula keneged sharkul mitzvah satora. Again, once again, there's shekula, there's keneged kola mitzvah satora. So Shabbos and avodas kochavim we have it in there. So by the way, Shabbos, for looking for what's so special about productivity. Which is the essence of what we're talking about, bris, right? There's something that's undone. You need to do it. You need to finish completion. That's what Shabbos is, right? Okay, so there's some connection in production that Shabbos tells us about. Okay? And Shabbos too happens to be connected to the Shabbat Torah. Okay, so what, what are we talking about here? Look at this amazing Gemara. Okay. Even a yachid that's mispalel every Shabbos has to say vayichulu. The Omer Rav Hamnuna kol mispalel every Shabbos veOmer vayichulu malel avakatuf keilu nasesh shutaf lakadosh varuchu be maseh breishit. 
He becomes a partner in creation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How do we know? You know, and all the work was finished in plural. All the works were finished. Don't read Vayichulu. Don't, don't read all the works were finished. It's that they finished. The plural isn't going on the work, a lot of work. It's going on who did the work. They finished it. So, Melamed teaches you that you become a partner in creation whenever you say that Pasuk on Erev Shabbos. What? What is that supposed to mean? Look at the... Uh, it's just an amazing presentation, right? So, what are you saying when you say Vayichulu? You're in the process, day-to-day, working. And you're talking about work. And now Kodesh Baruch too was also in the process of work. And so on and so forth. And then, something happens where all of a sudden, the work that you were doing, you're in the process of work. Now you're outside of the process of work. You're on the outside of that process, peeking in. To the process of work, right? All of the work that was doing, I was in the process of creating work. Now, for the first time, when I say, I'm stepping out from inside of that process and I'm looking at that process from the outside in. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you're in the process, you can never say about the entirety of the process because you're in it. You're inside of it. You can never speak about that process if you're inside it. The only time that you can see and you can see a picture and you can say, ah, this is the process, this is its completion, is if you're going meta. You're going meta. Right? That's what's happening. Because now you're sitting next to God. You were sitting in my Bereshis. Now you're sitting next to God. The moment that you're saying the point of view of the observer where you are, you were in the process, now you're outside of that process, peeking in and saying, oh, okay, so this is the process. Okay, you're outside, looking at it from the outside in. It's an amazing description, right? That means that the melacha that you're doing is not situated from inside of the process. Right? The melacha that you're doing isn't from within the context of Olam that you're doing during the week. The melacha, the process, all of the productivity that you're doing. You know, you're not doing it like everybody else is doing it in Olam You're not bound by Olam Why? Because you're looking at it from the perspective of Shabbos. And the perspective of Shabbos is me'ein olam haba. You're outside of the process looking in. You understand what I'm saying? When you go, when you're back in a week, you don't go back into the process. Of course, but you're going it all the while knowing that you stepped out. You understand? Once you go back in, after having that awareness, then you know it's six days you're working and there's an end to that process and you're stepping out from that process and you're going back in. It redefines completely how it is that you're doing that malacha. So when you're back in the process, you're not like everybody else that doesn't even know. It's like the matrix, right? You're stu- if you're in the matrix and you're operating inside of the process, you don't know that there is such a thing called the matrix. You're just operating the process. Once you step out of the matrix, you know, oh, wow. You're looking at it from the outside in. Oh, that's what this thing was. Okay, you step back in, you never forget that. Everything changes. Everything that you're doing in the process of Olam Azeh is from the perspective of Olam Haba. It, it, it redefines your entire avoda. So everybody else is doing exactly what you're doing. You're in the office. 
You're surrounded by 15 people in the office. You guys are doing the exact same motions. And you're not living on the same plane. Avram Avinu was walking the same halicha that everybody else next to him was walking. They weren't on the same plane. It's a different frame of reference. It's a different point of view. We're talking about a different quality of halicha, a different quality of life, a different context that in which all of those actions are happening inside of. So you're working, and you're working from the context of Shabbos. And you're working from the context of you're developing yourself to be mizdabek b'akadosh baruchu. And so on and so forth. Everybody else is doing the malacha because I guess that's what you do. You need to survive. You need to, you need to eat. So how else are you going to eat? And you're doing it from a completely different point of view. You, you're going meta. The essence of a Ben Yisrael is to live his life in meta. You're in Olam Azeh. You're doing everything everybody else is doing, but you've gone meta. Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelik Lolam Haba from birth. It's a different quality of existence. You see, it's a, it's a different plane that you're living in. Everybody, nobody else can tell the difference. Nobody else can tell the difference. Except that the halicha is a totally different halicha. So you think that Avraham, when Avraham was talking about, when God gave the haftachos of mamon, of children, of shame, you think that it was talking about just to get loaded and have more Lamborghinis and to have some sort of genetic continuity that will keep your legacy alive and have some sort of a bunch of Instagram followers to be able to, to get your money. You think that's what it was about? Or is it about that the Zerah of Avraham, he saw it as Zerah Yisrael, that will be Yorish Eretz Yisrael. And the shame that he needs to have is the shame that through him, Kol Mishpechot Adama will be Mizbarech. And is it a Puravu that will go on and, and, and continue through Yitzchak, through Yaakov, into this incredible legacy that's, that's, that's B'nai Israel? has nothing to do with what everybody else, how everybody else would have approached these things. So it's the same exact things that the, the, the most just, just ridiculous, lowest of human beings would chase after, money, fame, and, and children. The lowest of human beings would chase after, and that's what we're presenting. Those are the haftachos for the parshas of Lechelcha that defines the essence of Avram absolutely because he's doing it meta. Completely different context from everybody else. It means a totally different thing. It has nothing to do with what everybody else is doing. So that's why Kenegdikulam mitzvahs kulam. If you're doing mitzvahs as if you're in Olam Azeh, as if they're just, you know, a religion like everybody, he has this religion and he has that religion. You have this religion, you're a, it's a religion like everything else. You need to get things done and you need to have some sort of structure and order in your life. You like having discipline, so you discipline yourself for the religion and you have these things. Uh, what does that have to do? The idea of Mila. The idea of the fact that I need Adam to be able to say, hey, 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 this universe is missing something, can only be if Adam is next to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is shutaf in HaKadosh Baruch Hu Reshit. He's looking from the outside in. We don't need it for the actual production. Noach is inside of the process. Noach never went meta. So he's doing all of the amazing technology, all of the amazing revolutions. He's... he's, he's amazingly productive and he's not meta he's just in the system so there's a lot of people B'nai Noach that are incredibly productive that do great great things I mean right Elon Musk amazing thing traveling out of space changing humankind whatever and it's not meta it's just amazing achievement for a Ben Noach that's an amazing fabulous achievement for Ben Noach Pushing the barriers of what we could be, pushing the frontiers. Okay, what can we, what can humanity strive for next? But not going meta. Has nothing to do with it. It's just Olamazeh. Olamazeh dies. There's no intrinsic value to Olamazeh. Olamazeh only has value 
if it's in the context of Ulam Haba. Because through that, you're then creating your, all the malacho that you're doing during the, the, the year, during the days, during the week. Everything that you're doing is harnessed and being put in and invested into that existence of Ulam Haba. So it's a totally different quality of life that we're talking about. And I try to wrap it up here. So, I mean, there's just so many things that, that right? So, like, Avraham hu Avraham. Bitchila nase av Aram, he was, you know, the king, the king of the jungle in Aram. And then he became av kulo. It's just a crazy description of going meta. <laughs> right? He's just like, he's the king of the jungle, and now he's gone meta. He's the king of the world. We're, we're talking about a different quality. You think it matters? I mean, if he's going to live in Aram for the rest of his life, who cares about being the king of the world? For all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. Being the king of your local environment, if you're never out of that local environment, it's like you're king of the world. But Avraham lives Bechol Alam Kulo. Avraham doesn't live in Aram, even when he's in Aram. Even when he's in Eretz Canaan, it's Brisi Olam. It's talking about uh, the universe. It's not talking about Canaan. It's not talking about his local environment. He's meta. So we can't talk about it like that. So, I mean, of course, one of the ways that we describe this whole, this whole process um, is in, in the Pasuk over here, that God is speaking to Avraham when he's about to be, again, assure him again that he's going to have, uh, he's going to merit Bonim, he's going to merit children, he's going to merit Eretz Yisrael. And he does this strange little thing that he brings him out outside and says, well, you're Rabbi Nah Shamaima, you know, look out. To the skies, and count the stars. Try and count the stars all you can. Oh, that's how your children, your descendants are going to be. And Rashi says, What an amazing way of describing what we're talking about. That's all the descriptions, right? All the different mefarshim uh, on what it means. Okay, really means look, most people are governed by mazel. What does mazel mean? It means your lot. Goral, it means the things that like, you just by nature you're going to end up doing the things that are going to fall away just by nature just by how you were born just by 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 chance and that's why mazal also means chance which is amazing because gural also means lot and also means chance lot also means that lot means your place and lot also means chance lottery <laughs> it's an amazing thing right so your lot is by lottery you know, that's what it's about. So mazal, okay. So some people are born smarter. Some people are born with more inclinations towards this. And some people with inclinations towards the other thing. And mazal, ain't mazal beisrael. Where do we learn it from this pasuk? Ain't mazal beisrael. No. People are not bound. Yisrael is not bound by mazal. And so Tosos actually quotes. He quotes actually, what do you mean? But it, the, the Gemara in Mordecotton says that, you know, Rava says that children and wealth are just a product of mazal. So how can you say that ain't mazal beisrael? No, no, no. It's not that Mazel doesn't work at all by Israel. Obviously, Israel are always are also human, but you can break out of it. You're not bound by Mazel. So you're governed, obviously. We're natural humans. Not everybody achieves meta, but you can. You can achieve meta. And if you achieve meta, you're not bound by it. So Avram by nature was infertile. Sarai by nature was infertile. They break out of it. Avram becomes Avraham. Av kulo. Sarai becomes Sarah. And they change their Mazel completely because they've broken out. They've gone meta. Now it's a different type of existence. They're, for all intents and purposes, different types of humans. That's it. The same Pasuk actually says, you know what? You know what's another interpretation on that? Another measure on that? It's not that he literally took him outside. It's that he basically ripped him out of the cosmos. Right? That's what it says. Where is this Rashi? Davar Acher, Hotzio Mechaloshel Olam. 
<laughs> he rips him out of the fabric of the universe and he just puts him on top. He's floating on top of the universe. <laughs> and he's looking from the top. He's looking from the outside in, from the top down. He's looking down at the Chochavim. So he's been ripped out of the process. He's looking down from outside of the process, from outside of the universe. And he's looking down and saying, oh, so this is it. And amazing, this is a cute little thing. But from here, from the story of being ripped out of Kochavim, you learn that there's no mazal. Mazal is Kochavim, right? Mazal is constellation. So he's being ripped outside of the constellations, looking down and says, I'm not bound by you little things. You're beneath me. The constellations are beneath me. Amazing thing, right? Amazing. What a great way to describe going meta. The Parsha is about Avram going meta and Sarah also. If I had more time, I would describe how Sarah goes meta too. But Sarai to Sarah is also that exact same thing. They go meta. It's a different type of existence by itself. And it's here, by the way. And with this, I'll actually end. Promise. So five more minutes. With this, actually, that we present for the first time a Loshon that wasn't be- present before. There had been many, many Aftachos before of Zera and B'nai Israel and so on and so forth. But for the first time, um, we say here in the Pasuk, um, I give it to you, Lerishta, to inherit. Lerishta, ooh. Okay, and then there's a whole thing of Korbanos, yada yada. Oh, sorry, and then right away, God said, uh, um, Avram says, Vayomer Hashem Lokim, Bema'ida ki irashena. You know? You're, you say that I'm going to inherit it, that my descendants are going to inherit Eretz Yisrael? Prove it. Prove it. How do I know? And the Gemara says, because of this, he has to be, his, his, his zera has to be yored to Mitzrayim, 210 years, be enslaved. Horrible thing. What chutzpah? How could you say prove it? What, a, what kind of chutzpah is that? The, like the Kliyakra here points out, no, 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 no. You see, it, it, for the first time, something shocked Avraham here. Before... God had spoken about Eretz Yisrael as a matana. Okay? And so for the first time, he says to be Yorish. What's the difference between matana and Yerusha? Well, matana is something that you don't deserve. By definition, I'm giving it to you for free. I'm giving it to you as a gift. Yerusha is something that's yours, that you deserve. So for the first time, whereas before God had said, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to your Zerah no matter what, to your descendants no matter what. It doesn't matter what they do, what they don't do. I'm going to give it to them. They're matana. They don't deserve it anyway. Okay. For the first time, the Yerusha, it has to be theirs. It's going to be theirs. What is that supposed to mean? Well, it means just like it was you, just like you achieved Eretz Yisrael through your halicha, through your going meta, through your whole process, through your Asar Nisiyonos, you achieved this, right? This was all your achievement. You deserve it. Eretz Yisrael belongs to you. Your children will have to achieve it too. That's what Avraham is realizing that he's saying. Yerusha, if you're saying Yerusha and not Matana, you're saying that Eretz Yisrael has to be achieved and it's not deserved. And this is all of the Mepharshim go wild, you know? Like, so it basically means, you know, like the Sforno here says, and he's one example of many. Well, what if they're chote and they don't achieve it? What if they don't achieve it? It's about achievement. Now for the first time it's about achievement. Before it was Matana, now it's achievement. So what is Bemaida? Bemaida means how can you guarantee that they're going to achieve it? 
if you, you can guarantee that they're going to give it bimatana, that you can guarantee me because I don't care. I know you, you have the power to give the matana. How can you guarantee that they'll achieve it? Because by achievement, it's their own free will, right? Like, so how can you guarantee that by their own free will, they will achieve Eretz Yisrael? How can you guarantee that? It's a great question. How can you guarantee that it's going to be an achievement for them, that they're going to deserve it, that it's going to belong to them like it belonged to me? And he answers to them, to, to Avram, sorry. Vayomer Avram, you ask Bemaida yado atida. Kigeri ye zarcha beretz lolahem vavadum veinu osam arba milshana. Mitzrayim, that's the answer. Four hundred years, they'll be enslaved in Mitzrayim. What is that supposed to mean? How is that an answer to that? So amazing. Think about it, right? Where do we come from? We come from Mitzrayim. And obviously before that Urkastim or Ramna Haraim, I mean, where are we going to Canaan? <laughs> the example of the most corrupt places that the Torah has to give you is Eretz Mitzrayim and Eretz Canaan. Kemas Eretz Mitzrayim uchemas Eretz Canaan lo ta'asu. Are you kidding me? Literally in the Parsha of Arayos, that's how it introduces the whole thing. Of all the countries in the universe, the worst of them all, do not replicate these guys, Mitzrayim and Canaan, just don't. They're the most corrupt, the most depraved, the most out of their minds, don't replicate them. And those are the people we have to go down to Mitzrayim, we have to break out of Mitzrayim, we have to go to Canaan, be Yorish the land, right? Conquer the entire land. What the heck? Why would you do that? Of course, I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing idea. What is it coming to say? It's a filtering process. Actually, I'm going to place them in the most difficult environment in Olam Hazet that it could possibly be. The most difficult environment that anybody, any one of us, would be just absolutely sunken in all the depravities that they're doing. Absolutely sunken like this. We'd be gone in a second, tomorrow. Everything. It's just flowing with richness. It's the metropolis, the center of the, of the world, Mitzrayim. Znos is rampant. Everybody in the culture. That's where you have to be. And the process of leaving Mitzrayim is going to be brutal. It's going to be bloody. Most of you won't make it out. It's a filtering process. But the people that do make it out are the ones that went meta. Because they're the ones that weren't sunken by the environment. Most, the, the, the grabs of that local environment are so strong that it will put most of us, like sink most of us into that quicksand. Right? The only people that won't be totally obliterated by that environment are the people that are not bound by local environments or the people that are meta. So Mitzrayim is a filtering process. It's a breeding process. Okay, well, anybody that stays, I know it's going to be brutal. I know one in five, one in 50, doesn't matter. Small percentage of people are going to leave there. Most of them are going to be absolutely destroyed in there. But the people that come out, those are the people that went meta. It's a filtering process. How do I know? Mitzrayim. Because I'm going to filter them out. That's how I'm going to know. You cannot. We won't get to the next stage until we pass here. The people that made it through that stage are the people that are going to be the Kabbal, the Torah. So it's an amazing idea. And, you know, the Amik Hadover says here in the, in the Klola of Canaan, last week's Parsha, he says, Evid Avadim. You know, that's what Noah says about Canaan. Evid Avadim. You'll be a slave of slaves. And so he, he comes here to say, basically, you know, what do you mean? There'll be other slaves and other uh, and descendants of shame, descendants of Yefes. What are you talking about? 
No, no, no. It's that you'll be inclined to slavery. Everybody else, you grab a child of shame, you put him in slavery, and look at his lotion. Bihyoto Eved Rucho Hapnimit, his inner spirit, his inner force of being, Shoef Liot Chavshi, will thirst to be free. You place somebody like that in slavery, he'll thirst to be free. You place B'nai Israel in slavery, they'll thirst to be free. Not all of them, the ones that are truly Israel, the ones that will be filtered out to be Israel. So we go to the most rotten of places, Canaan, right? This is Canaan, and Ham, Mitzrayim is also a son of Ham. So Mitzrayim, Canaan, both sons of the most depraved man of the three children of Noah, Ham, that either rapes him or castrates him or both. And, and those are the places that we have to be, right? Because those are going to be filtering processes. Those will be the biggest challenges to, okay, are you actually meta? Or you know, you just had some luck in the local environments that you had. That that happened to line. Okay, so in America, you know, most people are religious. There's a lot of religious people. He's Christian. He's Muslim. Okay, everybody's religious. I'm also religious. Okay, so you've been in a great environment, warm environment, conducive environment. That's why you've been. Okay, go to the gutter. Let's see if you come out. And that's what Mitzrayim is about. That's the filtering process. So the filtering process is a process that will guarantee that the descendants of Avraham will be will be people that live meta existences. They're not bound by Olam They're basically from the outside peeking into the inside. Like the Ramam describes at, in the third parak of Hilchos Deos. I'm not going to go into it, but he says, you know, a person shouldn't eat like a, like a slob. A person shouldn't eat things that are going to destroy your health. Why would you do that? No, you eat what's healthy for you. You conduct yourself in the way that's healthy for you. You do exercise because it's healthy for you. And he goes, the whole thing on health. And then afterwards he says, but I hope it's not just for health that you're doing these things. And I hope that you're not just having sex to have children just for that, even though he just said, like you should have sex, you know, minimizing. So it's specifically for children, yada, yada. I hope it's not just for that because that's local. B'nai Noach have the goal to be healthy, and to have children and to uh, live disciplined lives. It's not about living disciplined lives. It's about that every last thing that we do is tended, is directed towards the ultimate goal, towards the meta goal. So, ha'akol lomat zehadavar. Right? So, you want yourself to be healthy so that you should be, so that your gufo should be shalem vechazak nafsho yeshara ladat tashem. So, you'll be ready to know God. Because you can't know God if you're sick. And you want to have children, not because you want genetic continuity, not because you want legacy. The ultimate vision. Right? When you're having children, you want him to be What an amazing way of describing a meta life. You're eating so that you can be over Hashem. So that you can be healthy, so you can be over Hashem. You're having children not so you can have genetic continuity, not even to fulfill the mitzvah of pre-orvia, but to fulfill it in the ultimate sense. Wow. And he says, a person that goes on this path, Everything that he does is avodas Hashem. He's doing business. He, he's being Ovid Hashem. Vafilu b'shashebol, he's having sex, he's being Ovid. Mi'ibnei shemachshavato b'chol k'dei, b'chol k'dei shimtzaz tzorachav ad sh'egufcho sh'am l'avod Hashem. Everything is to be Ovid Hashem. Vafilu b'shashehu yashen. Even when he's sleeping, im yashen 
לדעת, כדי שתנוח דעתו עליו וינוח גופו, כדי שלא יחלה, לא יוכל לעבוד להשם והוא חולה. Again, if he's sleeping for the sake of them being refreshed and being over Hashem the next day, his sleep נמצאת שינה שלו, עבודה למקום ברוך הוא. His sleep becomes עבודת השם. ועל עניין זה ציוו החכמים ואמרו, וכל מעשיך יהיו לשם שמיים. והוא שמר שלמה בחוכמסו בכל דורך אחד והוא יאשר אור חוסך. That's exactly Avram Avinu. The halicha of this week's parsha is that he's doing everything else that anybody else would have done except things that nobody would have done. He's doing them in ways that nobody would have done. He's living in an existence that nobody else lives in. He's vayotzeoso bachutza. He's living in a totally different plane, in a totally different reality. He's gone meta. He's not bound by localities. He's not bound by avodazar, which is all that it is living in your local environment saying, oh, look, the sun seems to be proud. Oh, he's a god. What? What a total lack of meta that is. If only you understood that, okay, the sun, and, like he says to Nimrod in the Medrash, you know, let's worship the fire. Why would you worship the fire? Hmm? How about you worship the water? Why would you worship the water? How about you worship the clouds? Why would you worship the winds? Why would, and so on and so forth. Just go meta. Oh, are you kidding me? That's the level of locality that you're living in, that you think that because the sun is bright? Are you a child? That you think because the sun is bright and it, and it moves, that it has some sort of, some sort of like autonomy, that it has some sort of divinity to it? That, well, what a crazy way to be local. And so Avram breaks out of that locality. Adam, Avram is not living in the local environment. Avram breaks out of being Av Le'aram, the king of the jungle, to being the king of the world. Av Le'chol Alam Kulo. And his legacy to us is to live lives that were not bound by localities. Lives that were not bound by things that even though we're doing what everybody else is doing it, we're doing it within a totally different plane. And through that plane, we're being truly shutaf in HaKadosh Baruch Hu Brishit. I hope that wasn't a little too much, huh? Let's go meta, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love that term. It's like going super soon, you know? <laughs> yeah.